foot. Bang, bang, bang. Oh, you got skills, son. <laughs> oh, what about that? Send him off. Send the dressing gates off. Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Headbin, the NRL Supercoach Draft Podcast. I'm Dusty. Um, we've only got uh, three of us on tonight, uh, so I'm joined by Lukey and Azza. How are we, boys? Good, mate. Well, good. on nice. my way. This is singing piss all to Arthur. Yeah. Pretty much. Man, I, pretty much. <laughs> I started about four o'clock and I was just like, oh, this is too early, but... <laughs> Oh, Let's see just, how it goes, mate. You just got to go with it at that point. They, they, there's, you can't have any hesitation. You just got to fucking just climb into it from there. Just fucking yep. climb into it. That's what you got to do. <laughs> and wasn't it fucking hot today? Like just the day for it to to just to get stuck in. So yeah, yeah. good stuff. Good stuff. So that being said, lads, let's just crack one. Drinking and drafting and you. <laughs> I'm day drunk. Get ready to see my dick. What are you on, Lukey? Like we all agreed. So, so this week, and what we're going to try and do moving forward is probably just stick to a. Uh, you know, we we love our craft beer here at the Headbin. We're not going to shirk that at all. We're not going to deny that. That's what we love. Love a bit of taste. Love some options. Um, so this year, this week, sorry. Um, we're, we're all on the Black Ops and, you know, we've probably spruiked them a fair bit over the course of the last couple of years, but we're on the Black Ops. Loki, what, which uh, Black Ops are you sitting on tonight? So I've gone the East Coast Haze. Um, it's a hazy pale, um, probably the closest thing to a session hazy on the market. It's... It's probably... It's, it's easy top three beers out there for me. Um, it's elite. It's the easiest summer drinking beer that you can have. It's got lots of flavour. It's got lots of, lots of texture, um, and you can just put them away at a rate of knots. Um, Four point five percent alcohol. Um, so you know, so it's just a midi. It's just a midi. Well, it, it's a craft <laughs> midi. It's definitely yeah. a craft midi. Yeah, 100%. but it's enough to get a, a, a drivable, a smaller bloke like myself to. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> After an afternoon of them, you know, get myself to crawl to a potty. Um, but yeah, nah, it it's, it's a delicious pain. beer. Oh, it's uh, it, it's soul building. It it, <laughs> it it really develops character in a bloke. Um, if I know a bloke's drinking the East Coast um, hazy pails, I'm probably just going to be mates with them for life. <laughs> <laughs> so anybody's out there, and and we're all. Of the same, uh, we're all of the same opinion, really, of this of the East Coast uh, from Black Ops. If you're out there and you like your craft beer, just get into one. Just get into one. Like you won't turn back. Like you have one, and that's it. You're done. It's just, it's a tits. It really is a tits. It's good stuff. As what about you, mate? Uh, I'm just on the pale ales. Yep. Um, now we sort of chatted about this during the week, and we sort of ranked our top five, top six, and these sort of we're sinking down to the bottom of those lists but Black Ops just don't do a shit beer so they, they, don't that's the thing is beers. they don't <laughs> they do not um, do a shit beer nah uh, so yeah it's a nice fruity taste and um, yeah it's probably Get the on best pile on the market Ops. yeah that's it um, just nice and easy and um, yeah as we said they just they just don't do a shit beer and um yeah, Oof, black ops. Yeah, Get cheeky, cheeky little um, brewery down in Burley, and there's another one at uh, East Brisbane too. So, get amongst it there. And um, um, is it Arndale or Arndale or somewhere like that? I, um, it just near Dreamworld there. Whatever that suburb is. Coomer. Where the starts with a Arundel. Arundel. That's it. Um, that's where the uh, the. Uh, um, Mass brewing is, yeah, right, under right. Under. I'm on the Hornets tonight, Ooh. so not not the Super Hornets, because uh, yeah, I'd be dribbling more than I usually do if I was on the Super Hornets. But uh, just the you. Hornets tonight, yeah. So six percent, one point eight standard drinks. So they're letting me know they're here, but like, <laughs> oh, they would. <laughs> and and uh, as this potty goes on, you'll know I'll uh, I've finished a few off. That's for sure. So. Uh, again, this is just an IPA of theirs, but it's fucking tasty as, and you just got to get amongst it. They just, yeah, just just quality, quality drops. But um, 
Look, we're going to try and pick a different brewery every week. Just maybe try and keep it pretty plain and simple and then that way uh, chuck a bit of social fodder up and uh, that way... um, Until one sponsors us. Yeah, fucking no. Get amongst it if you're out there and you're listening. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Give it free advertising anyway. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So, no, it's good stuff and it's just another excuse for me to drink craft beer. Why not? So, yeah, awesome. So, let's jump into it. Excuse. Oh yeah, and I don't need an excuse anyway. I've been in, in COVID isolation for two weeks. I've been fucking doing it every day, pretty much. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, every day. My fifth week of leave, so I've just taken up afternoon drinking. <laughs> I just I never used to <laughs> I never used to midweek <laughs> drink, and now I've just I don't know what day it is, so I just go to the fridge and grab whatever's on there. Just the just the. The starting hour would just tick back towards yeah, 12 every day. 10.45am 10, 10 this morning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sensational. Yeah, Wednesday morning. Yeah, that's early. That's, that's real early Arvo, that one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, lads, uh, we're here for a reason. So, look, <clears throat> this is uh, another one in our uh, season preview. But what we decided to do is just jump into... Uh, look, our positional features uh, and our pod is centred around that. We've had a bit of a chat and it's just kind of on the tip of our tongues each uh, each time we have a bit of a chat and it's the depth of the CTW. So we're going to focus on the centre wingers tonight because it's been quite refreshing that this year uh, the class is really, really deep. Uh, I know, f- for instance, last year it was really, really shallow and the year before that as well. So centre wingers have never really been a real focus uh, of mine personally and the last couple of years definitely because it just hasn't been uh, a deep enough class. But lads, this year, uh, as we've done our analysis, you can just see that there's a lot on offer. Uh, If you're in a 10-man and an 8-man league, uh, there's no reason why you shouldn't have a really, really strong uh, center wing of four, uh, if that's what you're playing, if you've got four center wingers in your in your team makeup. Um, as you kind of get into the 12 and 14 man leagues, why we're doing this potty is to show you that there's value uh, deep in your draft, and so you can still definitely roster a strong center winger squad. So lads, uh, any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, um, I, I, I do agree with you, and uh, I, I think this might be the season where. Um, you, you kind of prioritise maybe the second or third centre winger over your second or third second row forward, potentially, um, just because of the high-end potential of centre wingers over the high-end potential of some of the second rowers out there. And, you know, like, I mean, if you do your research and you do your analysis and you watch your trials and you stay up to date with your news, there's, there's every chance that you pick up a sort of high 50 60 average second uh center winger number three you know and that's you know that, that that's unheard of as, but your, thir- as your third ctw the, yeah, yeah. Your, your, your center winger three you know and and so i mean that's yeah that that's uncharted territory really for for, for super coach but i think this could be the year where that happens yeah i agree i think we've just talked about ctw so much in our first three round our last two podcasts um i think you could easily be going and getting two quality ctws in the first half of your draft this year whereas as years gone past you weren't sort of even thinking about a ctw yeah until until the second half of your um second half of your draft so yeah i mean the more sort of the more base um in your ctw the higher your ceiling is going to be so um you saw sort of Toto take off last year with his base stats, um, and then because he's in a great team, he sort of got over in with meat pies as well. But then you got your Ruben Garricks that um, have massive ceilings because of the blokes that are around him. So yeah, definitely um, keep an eye out um, for form and things coming into round one. But uh, yeah, CTWs are more important than ever. 100%. And, and I've always been someone who's never prioritised my CTWs. I've talked about that probably at nauseam on this on this podcast. But one thing I'm tr- going to try and do this draft is get a bit more of a balanced squad. I'm not going to dive headfirst into the CTW pool. Uh, we had a bloke in our, our league last year who did that, and the, and the pool was quite shallow. 
Um, and so in the first six rounds, I reckon it was the first six rounds, he grabbed Best, Crichton and Campbell Graham. Now, coming into that draft, they were all pretty solid draft picks. Would I have done it? No. Would I have grabbed one of those in the first six rounds? Potentially. But as it turned out, he was struggling and uh, to stay afloat all year uh, because they all had pretty ordinary years. And unfortunately... Um, as much as we're going to talk about how deep this this class is this year, centre wingers are volatile, and you, you, there's there is risk to them. And so, if you dive in and you try and grab a heap of them early, uh, your team can be uh, you can be scrambling uh, definitely early on in the piece if they if it doesn't come together. So, um, this is as much about exploring the the uh, the CTW position for its depth, but it's also telling you realistically where we think these guys should fall in your draft and where you could go for them so that you don't spend an early draft pick on on picking up someone that, uh, or reaching for someone that you could probably get as, as equal value in somebody else a little bit later on in the draft. So just to kind of, before we jump into this, the way we've broken this down is we're going to break them down into three categories and then run through a fourth, uh, which is, so CTW1, and these are the guys that you should be trying to get probably in your first five to six rounds, trying to pick up one of these guys. And if you don't get them, you might have to then start prioritising your centre wingers in your next kind of four or five picks because that's the only way you're going to strengthen that position. Then we're going to go into CTW2, who we feel like these guys would sit nicely in your second CTW position, CTW3, and then the best of the rest, basically, after that. So that way you can categorise them. Again, we'll chuck them up on socials so you get more of a visual representation of what we're talking about. Uh, we'll, we'll go through the list of what we how we've ranked them and then uh, as a you and Lukey are going to just give us a bit of spiel on a couple of the guys that have a bit of point of difference might be new into the ranks uh, guys who who are going to improve on last year have considerable upside and things like that and why we should prioritize them so that's basically how we're going to structure uh, our chat tonight so without any further ado we'll jump into our CTW1s the physical process of diving is relatively simple. Dive, dive. Right, so not much to talk about with these guys because at the end of the day, if you've been doing Supercoach and draft for any significant amount of time or even not so much, you should know these guys are basically the cream of the crop when it comes to uh, the centre wingers. No real surprises here, but as, you, as the list goes on, we've chucked a couple of guys in who we think are going to have uh, a different season to last year, which is why they've kind of made this first list. So, uh, look, in no particular order, but obviously you can kind of get the gist of where we're going with Brian Toto. Obviously, you know, there's been bulk chat about him. Ruben Garrick, bulk chat about him as well. Katoni Staggs, look, we suck this guy off every single week. And you know what? We're going to keep doing it until he proves us wrong. We're going to keep doing it. Zach Lomax, a guy I'm pretty high on this year. Uh, Joey Manu, again, he'll be in a high-performing rooster side. Jesse Ramian, look, you talked to him uh, last week, especially around his base. Um, Alex Johnson, he's he's an interesting one this year, but based on what he's done the last couple of years and South's left side, he's got to be there. Dan Tupo, Mr. Reliable. Uh, Ewan Aiken, he's an interesting one. We'll, we'll probably talk to him a little bit more. And uh, Campbell Graham, Comes with a little bit of an asterisk, but we know there's uh, some serious potential there. So, as you're going to jump into a couple of these guys, mate, uh, take it away. So, my first one I'm going to talk to is Ewan Aiken. Um, so, the bloke's come out in the last sort of 24 hours saying that he's definitely going to play in the back row um, for the Warriors. So, he's CTW2RF dual, um, but you'll lock him all day in, in that CTW role. Um, in he played six games last year on the edge for the Warriors. Um, he in one of those games he he um, only played 13 minutes. So knocking that off, he averaged 80 on the edge for the Warriors. Um, he went 128, 89, 74, 69, 44. So uh, four meat pies. The bike. Um, has got some skill and uh, it definitely put some size on towards the end of last year and 
um, made the Warriors pack look a little better and a little bit more structured. Um, 51 in base, and that was all 80 minutes last year. Potentially gets the same minutes again, but he's definitely a 60-plus minute um, player for the Warriors. And with Torhu Harris out for uh, an extended period, I think you you and Aiken's a bloke you could reach for um, in those, that fourth, fifth round. Um, if he's going to average that um, anywhere close to 80, you would love that for your CTW. And if he comes with meat, uh, a couple of meat pies with that, then, mate, I'd be locking him all day. Yeah, he's oh, got yeah. that about him too, Aiken. He's got upside. He's not just a plotter who's going to do tackles and hit-ups. He's a good line runner. He'll have an offload, do good tackle bus. And I heard today, uh, this week, sorry, that Tohu's not due back till mid-season. So we're talking kind of round 12, 13. And then on top of that, probably, you know, at least three or four weeks for him to get, you know, decent minutes under his belt. So... Warriors back rowers, you know, your Josh Currens and your, you know, Aikens and stuff like that. Yeah, look very tasty. Aikens got stickier hands than a teenager who got stuck under his old man's porn collection. That bloke. <laughs> he will not pass the field. <laughs> Call him the Pope. He's the Pope. So he's taken that line on every time. And, and, and like, the warrior, the outside blokes probably hate him. Adam Pompey, Rocco Berry, they'll hate him. But as a fantasy bloke, you know that he's... You know, he's not going to pass before the line anyway, so that's that's a good thing. Lads, what do we think about his uh, injury history? Because um, I know it's probably a little bit of a dirty word and people aren't talking about it, but he's not put together a consistent year probably for the last three or four years, maybe even longer. Yeah, I mean, hopefully he sorts that out. Um, and you'd think he'll have more pill um, and and a bit more involvement in the on an edge too. So, uh, look, you, you don't wish for injuries. Um, I mean, he missed a good portion of last year. He only played, what, seven games for, or six games for um, the drags before he got uh, moved. So, yeah, I mean, you worry about injuries all the time, but it's not sort of a head knock or, or anything like that. So hopefully stays fit and healthy and um, people can cash out big on you and Aitken. Yeah, nice, nice. So who else you got, Az? Uh, I've got Zach Lomax. Um, so before his injury last year, he only was sort of sitting at 55 average. Um, he was doing that in the Dragons front end of the season when they were winning too, um, which is not uh, overly excitable. But he went... 60 plus in four of those games and he only played seven games in the, in the first half of the season so uh, definitely upside there when he got back uh, he went 71 average he um, he also created about 100 points in four games um, so he's got that offload he's got that yeah. evade um, he's got that setup that uh, will send a winger over as well um, he did those in those four games, it was against the Rabbits, Panthers, and Roosters. So he can do it against anyone. Um, I think this is the year he sort of steps up. He has a healthy year. Um, he was fringe sort of blues. He's got the goal kicking. I think it's a big year for Zach Lomax, and it's a big year for him if uh, for the Dragons if they want to do well. I think he's going to be a, a massive part of that with Ben Hunt. Um, and my, my only question is the Dragons' attack. Um, how much how much sort of pill is he going to get how much opportunities is he going to get to create um, I don't have the dragons very high um, on my ladder but um, I mean I hope they prove me wrong and Zach Lomax is a beneficiary of that so they scored 81 tries last year I believe the dragons 81 so that was probably toward the bottom of the uh total tries for the year ladder uh are they over or under that this year because uh, they've lost a lot of cattle they've bulked up their forward pack um you know they've lost the likes of Corey norman they're blooding a, a lot of young kids that look quite exciting but you know that takes a little bit of time for them to get used to it uh used to everything uh he, he him playing a little a little bit more football helps them out like, like you said mate i think he only played like eight or nine games last year it was fuck all 
Um, so, you know, he probably helps that out a little bit. But, again, a big part of his game is goal kicking. So if they're only scoring 80-odd tries and he's kicking at, you know, 70 to 75%, um, you know, he's kind of he's kind of kicking somewhere around 60 goals. Uh, you know, um, it, does that do much to his average? You know, what's what are your what's your thoughts there? Oh, 100%. I think he's a yeah. I think he's a. I think they're around that mark. Yeah. Um, hard to put an over or under on him because of the variables. You know, yeah. Um, I think Corey Norman hold him back, but then you've got Matt Dufty who generates a lot of um, points anyway, and then you know Zach Lomax. So I think they're around that sort of eighty-five tries mark anyway, um, and. Yeah, I, I think he's someone that you can't let slip. He's just got the pedigree that you can't let him go into sort of centre winger two territory. You can't let him go past the sixth round. So, yeah, I, I think that based upon his history and what he was able to... Because from memory, the, the St. George sides that he has been good in haven't been great. There was the one that beat the... The Broncos in that first week of the finals. I, I don't know what he did that year in Supercoach, but you know, like they haven't been outstanding St George teams. So yeah, I, I think it's more of the pedigree of the bloke than it is the team. Yeah, and 2020 he averaged 68, um, turned up sort of three times, close to four. So he's got like he's definitely got that ability. Uh, and that's when he was sort of getting talked about for the Blues and things like that. So yep. I think a fit, healthy year, he gets back to that point. Uh, and then hopefully the drag sort of um, put a bit more trials on the board and, and give him some more goal-kicking stats. But he's an elite goal-kicker too. He doesn't... Yeah, he's um, good. Yeah. If I partake in a weekly Katoni Staggs gangbang, then <laughs> Zach Lomax is my side bitch. <laughs> Very high on Zach Lomax this year, and I did see, I did see a preseason guns photo today. Oh, might have been yeah. bloke in the bar, yeah, might have been yeah. bloke. In the, bar. the preseason guns photo is the new um, training the house down. Surely, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that and, and put on five five to six kilos is the yeah. But the dragons have got the fourth best strength of schedule. Yeah. Um. So that helps them. You know, like. Uh, they're going to be in more games and you know there's teams that can lose more games than they win but still score four tries a game you know what I mean so we're talking super coach here people we're not talking win loss so if your team loses 24 games a year but they also average 24 points in those losses then you know, there's fucking upside to that, and 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 that's kind of where maybe someone like uh, Zach Lomax kind of sits, right? Yeah. So, all right. As anyone else in the uh, CT Dub ones? Uh, no. We just like you touched on Campbell Graham at the end there. We're really high on Campbell Graham if he goes left side. Um, yep. He's got the base stats there for right side, and he's proven that. But if he goes left side, that's sort of where Gagai. Um, brained it last year uh, everyone that's been on the left side even AJ all that sort of stuff talks so high about the south left side and it needs to fire if that's King Graham side he's definitely uh, tier 1 territory and um, someone you could definitely reach for um, yep. early on yeah Luke you, uh, you, you kind of uh, touched on this a couple of weeks back and you were kind of saying that uh, you know the key to south being successful is their left side, so why would they put Tane Milne there? And Campbell Graham has played a little bit of left side in the past and been successful yeah. there, so you were kind of leaning towards uh, them doing the same thing. Without a doubt. I, I, I'm definitely reaching on Campbell Graham. If I, if I can get him in sort of 5-6, I, I, I could see myself reaching him for him um, just because I think you've got to take a chance on someone like him. He's really been good when he's been on that left side. I think that he's coming into the peak of his um, career. And the thing is with New South Wales is, yeah, they, they're playing blokes out of position in the centres, but with COVID and injuries and stuff like that, you've got Campbell Graham, who was 18th man for the last game last year, I believe. Um, and then you've got Katoni Staggs, Zach Lomax. You've got blokes who are just pressing for selection. So... You know, there's going to be a, a carrot in front of a lot of these blokes, so there's every chance that someone actually puts their hand up and goes, all right, we'll pick me, and I don't know why well, it wouldn't be Campbell Graham on that 
left edge. So definitely have a look at him. Yeah, nice one, nice one, very much. And there's another, like, there's a, there's a few other guys that we didn't actually go into any detail with who I think are in for pretty big years. Jesse Ramian's one of those. Like, he's going to be in a Cronulla side that's going to be a lot better um, this year and, you know, going to have some halves that distribute. So he's another one to, to keep your eyes on. Um, all right, let's get into the CTW2s. Beneath the surface. Dive, dive. So this, these guys, uh, look... We probably feel like these are the these are these players you should be kind of targeting rounds kind of five to nine. Uh, we feel, uh, especially if you don't get one of the top ten, you need to go on these guys pretty early. Um, some in a different uh, situation than last year. Some with just great upside and in different teams. Um, but just to run through them. Uh, Stephen Crichton, obviously, we feel like he's going to go back to the left. Jordan Rapana had a pretty good year last year. Brian Kelly was pretty solid again last year for the Titans. Tyrell Sloan is an interesting one. Lukey, I'll let you talk to him a little bit later. Corey Thompson probably has some asterisks on him. Val, again, we, we highlighted him uh, earlier this week as one of the players that we need to break up with this year. Uh, Jack Bird's probably got some question marks, but a lot of upside to him as well. Sione Katoa, again, in a, in a Cronulla side that has some good strength of schedule and, and probably will score some points this year. Uh, Dane Gagai, and, and, and we might touch on him, and, and David Nofaluma as well. So there's CTW2. So, Luke, you do want to um, jump in and, and analyse a couple of the uh, the uh, point of difference players in there, mate. Yeah, well, um, I've got one player in particular, and that's Brian Kelly. And I'll, I'll ask you blokes, um, without actually jumping into his stats, uh, what, what sort of season do you think Brian Kelly had last season? Uh, well, he, he missed he missed a, a few games with injury. Well, I had him, so do you want me to answer that? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> he, he averaged really cl- pretty close to 60, didn't he? Yeah, so he had a career best year. And, yeah, yeah. And so I, I actually sort of thought he was sort of missed the mark because we picked him up in Legends League. We drafted him um, on the anticipation that he was going to go from his 56 average in 2020 to something better. And he, in fact, did that. But he probably didn't take the leap that we expected him to take. But still, to average 59, um, his, his base power... Um, sits at uh, sort of mid to high 30s, which, I mean, is is sort of par um, for a centre winger, but it's not, uh, you know, anything exceptional. I, I, I just feel like this is the season where Brian Kelly's got some younger halves, who, you know, some settled halves, some halves that they know are going to be there week in and week out are going to feed him the pill. So uh, 59 average last year, um, 0.74 points per minute, uh, he he's one of those players who can generate his own attack. Uh, he, he's got plenty of tackle busts, offloads, line breaks, um, the lot. So he scored um, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 tries last season. He missed three games at the start of the season. I think it was with an ankle injury, to be fair. He might have missed two games with an ankle injury and then got a head knock or something like that. So um, there was one game. Oh, he played 58 minutes in a game against St. George, so he might have copped a head knock in that game there. But um, I, I just feel like he's one of those blokes that's got more than just try scoring to his arsenal, you know. he's got He's got the whole gamut of attacking stats. Uh, so he's someone who... I'd start to be looking at around the seven, round six and seven mark. Um, you can probably reach for him in round six if you think he's going to go better than 59 points per game, but I, I, I don't think you let him slip past round eight. Um, so that's Brian Kelly. So yeah. He's done this for two or three years now. It's not a fluke. Like, well, he's it, gone. His last three years is 55, 56, 59. So he's a well-established um, point-scoring centre winger. Well, I just had a look at 2020, and two of those scores he played under 30 minutes. So that could easily, easily be over 60. Yeah. 65. So he's just like a Jesse Ramey. just gets things done, just goes about his trade, just nothing sort of electric, um, just puts up points and smashes out base. Yeah, when he gets going, like especially his yardage work, he's yeah. he's, he's really effective. Can beat a yeah. tackle, 
Um, and that's where, before you know it, like he's he's done. He might only do like five or six runs a game, but those five or six runs probably yield him thirty points in base because there's a couple of tackle busts in there, maybe a line break as well. Like he's fairly effective, and he goes. Uh, he does definitely goes under the radar. So, yeah, two ninety nines. So he had two ninety nines, a ninety one, and a ninety last year. So I mean, basically two hundreds, and you know, a couple of scores in the nineties. So, you know, he's someone who's, who's capable of, of, of putting big scores on. Um, yeah, yeah, nice one, Azza. Yeah, I've gone Jack Bird. Now, there's plenty of whispers that um, Bird's going to be playing lock or in the back row for uh, St. George. So, again, keep an eye out if that that's Tier 2 stuff if he if he gets into that sort of area for St. George. Um, I think the only weakness there is that St. George have a lot of middle forwards. So minutes might be a bit of an issue, but if, he, if we get towards the start of that season and he's trending towards starting lock, that's probably a, a, a 55, 60-minute roll at least. Um, he played four games on the edge last year for St George. Went 93, 56, 69, 51. So um, definitely not scores to sniff at, especially at CTW, especially for CTW too. Um, we got to remember when he was playing his trade at, at the Sharks, he was a half utility, and they've the next two clubs have sort of turned him into a centre. So um, I think he'll really thrive at lock if he's given that opportunity um, and the way the game's turning I think that fast sort of ball playing lock is is definitely the future um, we know he can play um, again just a lot of inconsistent injury riddled seasons so I mean if he can um, lock down a spot in the back row for St George and get 60 minutes um, he's definitely a CT two and he sort of sneaks towards a, a CT1 if um, if those minutes are there. But let's <clears throat> let's uh, put it into perspective. So this was his first season back from the ACL, right? Pretty much. Um, first we've seen him for a long time. And even if he plays in the centres for St George, I, I still think he's a CTW2. So I don't have his average in front of me when he played three, uh, played in the centres, but I'll read out the scores because it's decent. So obviously first game, a bit shaky, so he went 27 into 54, into 71, into 71, into 66, then into 28, into 107. Then he had a bit of a lean trot in the centres and he went uh, 40, 39, 40. You take then a 40 though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for your CTW2, you've, you've probably got to take that every now and then. Um, yeah. Then he went 56, 84, 39, 50, 50. It's pretty consistent. So I, I think he, he earns his spot in the CTW2 list, regardless of whether he plays, uh, you know, in the centres or he gets a back row gig. Now, if he gets a back row gig, he's probably pushing up into that CTW1. I mean, when you think about it, if we've got Aiken, Aiken there, yeah, probably got to have Jack Bird there, right? Absolutely. And the only thing that's keeping him from being there is the certainty. I mean, you and I can set on a couple of potties this already um, that he's playing back row. So that sort of cements him. The thing about Jack Bird is obviously, you know, Tarek Sims, Jaden Suar, um, Josh Kerr on the edges, plus, you know, the multitude of pigs in the middle that they've got there, you know, signing Burgess and Francis Molo, and then there's all those other fat pricks that they got there that <laughs> seem to just lumber forward and just do fuck all, but seem to get minutes. Yeah, so um, right. you, you just don't know who is going to get minutes there at St. George. But I, I, I'm fairly certain Jack Bird's going to be one of the blokes that gets the bulk of the minutes. So you, you think if he gets 60, 60 minutes on an edge, then, I mean, that probably translates to 55 Supercoach points anyway, um, which makes him a, a, a fairly you know handy centre winger. He averaged 57 last year as a centre winger, <clears throat> you know. Can't argue with that. Yeah, look, Birdie's an interesting one. I think that, um, yeah, we're all pretty much on the mark there, but definitely watch trials and see how that uh, forward pack unfolds for St. George. Um, Dan Gago is an interesting one for me because obviously he killed it at South in that left side, so he's playing a very different role than probably what he'll play at Newcastle. Uh, but I've got a sneaky feeling that 
maybe he plays left anyway, um, and maybe uh, it's a bit of preservation for best, but maybe they've brought him over here because they know Ponga likes to play left, and we scored the majority of our points down that side, and we could maybe replicate what we what South were doing in some capacity by having Gagai there and a guy who knows how to play left. The other point I want to raise about Dane Gagai is, are we confident that Bradman Best is going to play more than kind of 10 or 12 games? Because as a Knights fan who loves Bradman Best, I'm not. And, you know, with all the potential the kid has, he's had more surgeries than than anyone I know at his age. Uh, and even if he starts off right, any injury to Best and Gagai goes over there anyway. So even though he's kind of down the bottom of our CTW2 ranks... There's every chance that he pushes a little bit higher on that list if he plays left because we know his base is good. His work rate's very good. Now, any points that Newcastle managed to muster up this year are going to come through the left-hand side. And if he's a part of that, I think you've got to jump on him. Uh, I think that that's probably the play with Gay Guy. And like I said, there's every chance that we put him there to start the season anyway. Yeah, I agree. And when you think about it, like whether it's... Um Clifford or Clune that play uh, on that left-hand edge, they're going to have either Fitzgibbon or Barnett as their lead. Ponger out the back and Gagai long. Like, there's some weapons there. Uh, um, You know, if if Fitzgibbon can sort his shit out and not just ride his fucking daddy's company's paycheck, then, um, you know... (laughs) He's actually a decent line runner and something that can threaten on the edge and hold defenses, hold inside defenses off Ponga and, and Gagai. I don't, I don't think Fitzgibbon's going to get that spot. Like I think obviously we put a post up yesterday about Kurt Mann playing lock, and I think that ensures that Frizzell and Barnett will be our edges. And if that's the case, uh, you know Barnett's pretty rock solid out there and probably even more effective than than Fitzgibbon. To be fair. Yeah. Oh, look, and and yeah, because he offers a bit more. He offers. He's got an offload in him. He's got some footwork before the line, that sort of thing. So you know, he does offer up a different skill set. But um, either way, that it's a fairly deadly little trio outside the halves there. And look, Gagai's power base last year was forty three point three five. That's fucking good. Yeah, that's good. you know that that's up into the top tier. So that's saying that you know he gets through his work in yardage. He's got tackle busts and 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 line breaks about him. So yeah. Definitely uh, someone to look at, um, and he will fade a little bit because of the Knights, but I think that uh, he's still going to get his fair share of opportunity. All right, lads, let's shift on to CTW3s. From the depths of the sea. Now, there's a lot of blokes in this category that could quite easily be in the CTW2 and have been before, maybe even into the CTW1s, to be fair. Uh, but these guys obviously maybe had a bit of a down year last year, uh, maybe be in a different situation or coming back from injury, but there's a fair bit to talk to here, and this category here is where the depth starts to reveal itself. So basically, our CTW3s look like this. Kenny Mamalo at the Tigers, and as the season went on, obviously he had a mid-season shift to the Tigers, so no pre-season with those guys. He was going in pretty cold. He does this time, and the back end of the season last year, he put up some pretty good numbers. Uh, Josh Adokar at the Bulldogs, we've seen Phil Gould tweet about, and Barrett tweet about the effect that he's had there, having there already. Uh, Bradman Best, who we just kind of talked about. Uh, Justin Olam, DWZ, who's high on a lot of people's lists. Uh, Ronaldo Militalo, who's high on my list. Uh, Kurt Mann, who we posted about last night, uh, which we'll go into. Uh, Mike Acevo is an interesting one coming off an ACL. Herbie Farnworth, uh, Brent Naden, uh, Xavier Coates, and Jason Saab. So, Lukey, do you want to uh, highlight a couple of players in the CTW3s? Yeah, I've actually got three to go through here, and I'll, I'll whip through them pretty quickly. But um, I, I guess the first one is that uh, bloke that you mentioned first is Kenny Mamalo. And, uh, yeah, he come over from the Warriors looking for a fresh start with the Tigers. Now, um, you can probably apply this to David Nofaluma as well. I know we, we sort of faded him a bit in our little um, um, Instagram video that we did during the week, and, and he's copped a bit of a uh, shellacking on some other super coach uh, potty websites and content uh, sites but I, I think that 
the thing with the Tigers is they're going to improve. Um, and what that means for blokes like Kenny Mamalo and Offer is going to probably be more opportunity. I think Ken Mamalo stays on the left where he did and Offer stays on the right. Now, Noffer's uh, traditionally a right winger that did move to the left. So maybe a, a pre-season training there, some better halves. Um, not that uh, Dewey wasn't a good half, but uh, you know got shifted to the centres late in the season, that sort of thing. But just moving on to Kenny Mamalo, um, you know, a noted try scorer. What he didn't do well last season was yardage work. Um, now his his base power was only 34, which is really pissful for a bloke like Ken Mamalo, who has a history of being someone who gets through 20 hit-ups a game. You know, 20 hit-ups, you know, at least half of them are plus eight metres. You know, he gets through 10, you know, his 10 plus tackle busts a game, that sort of thing, and then he gets his fair share of tries. So I think you can sort of look to Ken Mamalo to start to regain some of that uh, facet of his game. Now, try scoring wise, with the Warriors, he scored eight tries with them up with 14 rounds, okay, before he moved over to the Tigers, and then he scored another seven tries in the last 11, 10 games, sorry, that he played at the Tigers. So, fairly good strike rate for Ken Mamalo. Um, if he can return to that base beast that he used to be, then he becomes someone who can potentially be a center winger one. Like, I mean, you know, if, if he's someone that, you know... Well, he, I reckon I drafted him round seven last year, maybe seven or eight, as a CTW1, and he was coming off a 60 to 65 average the year before. He shat the bed for the first, what, like seven or eight rounds, and I'm like, fuck this cunt, you're out. And then he scored the Hattie against Melbourne in his last game yeah. before he left. And yeah. I'm like, I, I, I see the Tigers sort of finishing between eight and ten this year. I, I just think that, you know, they've had some pretty good signings as opposed to years past, you know, like with Peachy, Hastings, um, you know, they've got the fella from England, whether he'll turn out to be anything, um, who knows. But, you know, like that, they've, they've signed some decent players. Uh, I think it's now or never for them. Um, Dane Laurie, he's another season uh, older, you know, a few more veterans. So I, I think that they do improve this year. But, uh, I, and I think with that, Ken Mamalo goes, goes forward with that as well. Uh, the next bloke who I've decided to cover is Kurt Mann and that's someone we put a, we stuck a post up during the week about Kurt Mann um, now it looks like he's going to be playing lock this year uh, I, I thought he might be playing a little bit of nine as well but it looks like Phoenix Crossland's going to be getting that gig off the bench with um, Rand, Chad, is it Chad Randall not Chad Randall Chris Randall um, going into that hooker role with the unfortunate injury to Jaden Braley so Kurt Mann now uh, the thing with Kurt Mann is is that he possesses a few of the skills that Connor Watson did in that position last year. He doesn't have the footwork and the speed that Connor Watson does, but he does have the strength. He's got a better passing game, uh, and his running game's equally as strong. Now, from that role last year, I think Connor Watson averaged something crazy like... Was it was he high 50s, Connor Watson? Um, let me just I have think a he was 59, yeah. Yeah, like he, he he really made a good fist of that role. Yeah, 59 last year. What I looked up is his base power, Connor Watson, from that position in 59 minutes was 46. Yep. So obviously being in the middle field, you're making a lot more tackles, you're making a lot more runs, right? Um, so you can probably think that Kurt Mann's going to be doing the same. So if he can average around 40 in the base power and then knock some good attacking stats on top of that, you can get yourself a pretty handy... CTW3 there, and I'd be looking to pick him up sort of, oh, I reckon you can pick up Kurt Mann around sort of rounds 9 and 10. I, I don't think people are going to be tuned into Kurt Mann. Um, and I so you, I, I, you could even go later, man. Yeah. You could even go later. Like, if it wasn't for us putting up a post, our competition wouldn't even draft him. That, well, maybe we would, but the rest of the comp wouldn't, you know, and, and I think that's... Um, that's something that you got to look at, you know, like is round 9, 10 coming, what are your centre wingers looking like? You know, like if they're looking pretty bleak, maybe you do need to reach for him so that you can guarantee to get him. Um, you know, but I think that's that could be where Kurt Mann sees himself this year, somewhere in the mid-50s, um, and definitely uh, a centre winger worth grabbing. Yeah, yeah, look, I, I agree. And, and as you 
was saying, Luke, you, probably one thing you didn't touch on with Connor Watson was his minutes. I don't think he plays more than 55 minutes in many games. So what that says is you don't need him to play a 65, 70-minute role at lock. You just don't. And again, he's got a few of the attributes that made Connor Watson successful as a super coach middle at Newcastle. So he can he can kind of do the same. Um, if you go back and have a look at when he played 5'8 in 2020, um, Kurt Mann's got some skills, man. Like, he can definitely play uh, as a playmaker. So if he brings that to the role, which Connor Watson never did, Connor Watson looked like he was passing fucking watermelons out there. Like, he, he just had... Like, he was, yeah. he was fucking <laughs> horrid, man. Like, he yep. was... Medicine he, balls fucking... Yeah, man. Like, he couldn't pass. How does an A-grade football player not be able to pass left to right? So, um, but that was it. And man, man has a bit more upside in, in a couple of different categories. So, it could be worth it. Lads, I'm pretty high on Brenton Aiden this year. Like, I think about it and go, look... If you have a look at the bloke, obviously he's a lot better when he's playing on the wing because he, he's got great yardage, Brent Naden, but he's going to be in a in a Canterbury side that's got a fair bit to prove. They've got Gould there. Uh, you know, he's going to probably put a, a pretty good culture around the club. People are going to want to perform. Brent Naden's been a bit of a journeyman in terms of he hasn't really been able to cement a, a, a full season. He's now moved clubs. Uh, I think he's got a bit to prove, and we know he's got the skills there. I think he locks down at least a wing spot. I think he probably gets a centre spot somewhere too, and I like him over there. I think he's good. Yeah, look, Naden, uh, when he played centre for Penrith in 2020, he scored a lot of tries. Um, I think he scored, was it 11, 12 tries or something like that, and, and he only averaged 52, so... He's better on the wing because his base work is better, but and he's going to play right side because Aaron Shoup plays left, and I think that that's the future. So the thing the thing about Brent Naden is though that he he has pedigree, um, he has a lot of game. He's got offloads, he's got footwork, he's got tackle busts. So he's definitely someone who he could go undrafted in comps, but he's someone who'll be picked up off the waiver wire within the first month without a doubt. Yeah, and he's just he's just another one of those players that gets on with his role, hit does the hard hit ups, all that sort of stuff. Goes looking for the footy. So I mean, big again, dude too. You know, yeah. he's six two, rangy, can break the break tackles. So yeah, and it's all about how the dogs go, really, on how far you want to want to reach out. If you're high on the dogs, then yeah, he might be someone you you grab a bit earlier than most. But yeah, I agree. He's probably. Someone, I mean, in, in larger leagues, you're probably putting him on your bench or maybe he's your last pick, but, yeah, it's waiver wire stuff and, um, yeah, it could be a cheeky good pick up. So, Lukey, um, for the, say, uh, newcomers and greener drafters out there, talk us through why you've got Jason Saab in number three as opposed to a lot higher uh, in the CTW3s as opposed to a lot higher up this list. Um, I'm about to fade the shit out of this bloke. Cunt sparked? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, uh, I, I think you have to have him because of what he potentially has, but I think he's a streamer. I, I think he's he's a plug-and-play option. He's someone that you carry in your squad and maybe you sort of sub him in and out on the easier games. I'm going to throw some statistics at you that are, are fairly alarming because I reckon that you've probably thought that he had a, a, a fairly comparable season. When I say years, it could be you two or it could also be the uh, the mob out there listening. Um, I thought uh, people probably think he had a fairly decent season last season. Well, he averaged 47. Okay. Now, when I was researching him for this segment, I was first of all taken back by that because I thought... He would have definitely averaged in the 50s given the try scoring and what whatnot that he uh, was able to get up to. Okay, so that's the first red flag, 47. Base power. Someone throw a number at me. What do you reckon? Base <laughs> power. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say 13. 21. Okay, yeah, so yeah. Uh, that, that's, dis- that's disgusting. That That is not first grade quality for a winger. But not, uh, not for um, a bloke who's fucking six foot six and 105 kilos. Like, get in there and fucking help your forwards out, you soft prick. 
like that's... and it's and it's in those games against the Melbournes, the Penriths, the Souths, the Paras, and well, they flog Para, but you know the tough games where they needed that, and you can you can hide that stuff when you're flogging teams. You don't need it, but it's in those tough games where you're like, fuck, our forwards are getting dominated. Why? Because they're having to get back on tackle too to take the hit ups because. Jason Saab is getting folded by the wind created by a front rower pushing out <laughs> up out of the line. You know? And, like, look, the bloke would snap me in half. Oh, I'm not trying to say anything other than the bloke is, apart from his speed, he's not first-grade quality. So when he doesn't score a try, he averages 19, right? When he doesn't score a try. When he scores a try, he averages 67, but let me tell you the games that he scored a try in that he didn't score 50. So he scored tries in 14 games, right? Yep. In six of those, he didn't score 50. That's that, that's Jesus. fucking smashing. In another one, he's in another one he scored 53. I'm sure he scored two tries and scored 62 or 67 with two tries. So you're getting a bloke who, there's two things. Unless he scores a try, he's not even worth putting in your side. So you've got to guarantee that. If he scores a try, he's only just playable. Hopefully he's... He scored 44 points when he scored two tries. (laughs) (laughs) Is that 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 a line break? No, he, he no, must have a line break. But he never. But a lot of his tries, he doesn't get the line break because Tommy busts through and just he tips just to falls him. over. Or DC kicks it for him. I'll, I'm going to chuck something at these lads. They changed tries from 17 down to 14. Oh yuck! And this cunt's waiver, surely. Oh, is that is that certain or no? No, but they they, they could. That's what they're talking about. Look, the guru oh, mentioned that they'll probably they might do something like that, but. You know, if they reduce attacking stats, which he's so dependent on, man, even if he has a career... Like, how many tries did he score last year? Was it, like, 18 or 19? Maybe a few more? Yeah, something like that, yeah. So, he's got to replicate that just, just to be relevant. Draftable, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Unless he's unless he's put on a bit more size, um, you know, Desi's got into him and... Yeah. But, like, how do you improve on 19... <laughs> without a try like even yeah. let, let's say he pr- improves that by 50% he still only scores 27 when he doesn't score a try like 10 games yeah. he went 10 games 30 or under that's you can't yeah. have that and that, that's the games he didn't score tries in and, and yeah. that's what I'm saying like even if he improves his Base without scoring by fifty percent, he's still only scoring twenty, averaging twenty-seven without the try. Like, it's, what's it's, yeah? What's Manly strength of schedule like? They're mid-table. They're they're, they're sort of sitting uh, eight eight or nine rank, I think. Um, so, so it's probably you know, not, not enough to convince you to take him, really, is it? Like, if they were top five and they were beating up on a lot of bottom teams, you could probably draft him because you'd be like. There's going to be games where this cunt scores three tries and scores gets me a seventy, right? So <laughs> you watch, you watch. Desi will fucking switch him to the left. Oh, <laughs> it'll be, oh, it'll be trials and Desi will switch him to the left, and we'll just be like, what the fuck? And then he ends up averaging, you know, he'll he'll probably end up averaging sixty, and then Ruben Garrick ends up averaging fifty-eight because he's got the goal kicking. But it's, yeah, so I just yeah. remember watching the first four or five rounds last year. And going, how the fuck does this bloke play NRL when there's just so much, so yeah. much talent out there? And oh, then Tommy come back, him. and it was a different dude, eh? Yeah, yeah. So the back half of his season is not too bad. Yep. Yeah, but he needs to score tries, and yeah. will Manly do enough of that? Look, Ronaldo Mulatalo is another one for me. Uh, obviously, there was the shit with the Queensland Origin last year. Again, he's another guy in a really, really good situation. If he plays on the wing, I like him a little bit better. Uh, he's a big dude. He's got good yardage work. Can finish. Can definitely finish. So I think that that's very promising um, for him. 
Uh, and look, you know, there's Xavier Coates who probably fits. Hopefully, we, we feel like, um, you know, some of those uh, gaps in his game get filled in by Bellamy and he, and, he, and he becomes a better yardage winger and his base power increases. Uh, and then, yeah, his, his work in the air inc- uh, gets a little bit sharper too because, you know, as a bloke who, again, is around that, you know, six foot five, six foot six mark, uh, should be an absolute target uh, in the air. But, uh, you know, I think he's got pretty poor hands for, for, for that at the moment. Hopefully when he gets down to Melbourne, he becomes a bit more of a target. Definitely if he's going to play... Uh, on that right-hand side with uh, Jerome Hughes. So we'll see what happens there anyway. So cool. so moving on to CTW4. And look, to be fair, if you're in uh, an 8 or a 10-man league, you can probably have a pretty good spread across the four positions if, if your uh, team layout allows you to have four centre wingers. Moving into 12, 14 and 16-man leagues, that fourth position's a streamer every day of the week. Someone who can just move in and out depending on matchups, depending on fitness and things like that. Um, but here's who we've got in the CTW4 category, and you'd be quite surprised. Some of these blokes had great seasons last year, and I think some of these guys are moving into situations where there's potential for them to have great seasons. So I'll just run through some of the names here, and these are guys who we feel like should be populating your CTW4 Probably guys you're taking in your drafting in your benches um, or definitely late rounds if there's guys still available because there's some definite value here. Look, I'll start off with Bo Firma and look, we, we, we had him, a few of us had him as a, a, a second row, uh, having a breakout season in the second row this year. But if if he's sent a, sent a winger duel this year, he is massive, massive value. And look, to be fair... We've probably ranked him a little bit low. Um, you know, his role is probably a little bit up in the air, but if he gets a, a starting spot, he probably moves well into the CTW3s, definitely into the CTW2s. What do you reckon, lads? He, he's just that. He's just a massive, massive unit. Um, and he's just got so much potential there. I don't... I mean, if both of them can, can lock an edge down... He, you'll tra- uh, you'll draft him every day. Um, he's got the skills there. He's got lovely shape. Got a ball on him as well. Um, and speed. He's, speed, he's very yeah, fast. So yeah. Speed. Gets a lot of base, but also has um, some good evade stats as well. So, uh, yeah, high on firmer if he can lock down a, an edge. And, I mean, it's all about Holbrook. What does he do? I mean, he's, he stuffed around for feeder last year. Firma got some more minutes, but he was in in that rotation as well. So you got a little bit of a look about him, a look for him, but yeah, it's an unknown. It is, but I think Proctor's on the way out. I, I think they've recognised what they've got to do moving forward. As long as he's not piss poor defensively, Bo Firma probably plays some good minutes there, I think. I, I honestly believe that he plays 80. And like, if I think about it, I go, well... Proctor plays 20 on the edge, comes or moves to the middle for another 20. Fafita comes on, plays his 60, and Bo Firma stays on that left edge for, or even the right edge for, for 80 minutes. So I, I just think that's the way forward for the Gold Coast. Um, I mean, it's it's to be seen, but but that's that's the way I, I think it has to play out. Um, yeah. So a couple of other na- a couple of other names here, lads, uh, that are pretty tasty for a CTW four pool. Peter Hiku, I like it. The Cowboys. We've talked about how much of a fucking wet towel that whole club is at the moment, and we don't feel like anyone's really going to thrive. But he seems to just defy the situation he's in a little bit. Peter Hiku, if he can stay injury free, I think he'll be uh, he'll have a positive twenty twenty two. Um, you're talking about guys like Phil Sammy again at the Titans look pretty positive uh, Ravalawa now this guy's got a fucking dreadful judiciary record right he's won chin grays away from fucking half the year on the sidelines but as you touched on earlier as uh, he's the beneficiary of Zach Lomax's playmaking ability and his offloading ability so uh, they've got a pretty good combination out there. The guy is made of fucking granite. 
um, and it's got good yardage work and good finishing ability. So he's someone who, if you picked up definitely late in the draft as your fourth centre winger, you, you're fucking sitting pretty. Yeah, he's the size of him is just... How do you stop people like that? Get a tackle bust off their first hit up. Um, outside weapons. Hope, again, it's a, it's another sort of what if for the Dragons. Well, um, blokes like you and me don't stop blokes like that. Oh, we no, die. No. We die. Get a get a get a wooden box, mate. <laughs> we die. Corona hand out the interchange cards <laughs> just in case. Toe tag. Yeah, straight up. Yeah, definitely. Um, a couple that I wouldn't mind highlighting, just um, and, and the sort of they could go anywhere between two and two and four, really, and that's Josh Mansour, and, and and sort of obviously he's not guaranteed to get any sort of position in that South back line. I mean, there's talk that Jackson Paula gets the, the right centre spot. Uh, they've also got to fill another wing spot. So, I mean, is that Tane Milne? Um, you know, I mean, it could be Mansour. Who knows? If, if, if it looks like Josh Mansour is going to be the one that ends up getting that wing spot, then he, he's definitely draftable. He, he straight away comes into, you know, Center wing three, center wing two territory. Uh, his job security isn't great because he's is um, reluctance under the high ball, and uh, reluctance is probably favourable to him, isn't it? Really, his <laughs> ineptitude at <laughs> catching anything that goes above shoulder height, um, yeah, sort of puts his job security in doubt. But you know his his yardage work and the fact that he can finish sort of make him definitely draftable there. The other one that's interesting for me, there's two of them, and and is um um the hammer hammer side um yeah to um yeah. up at North Queensland. He's obviously guaranteed to play fullback now. Well, actually, I say guaranteed. Uh, Val Holmes did uh, allude to the fact that he that Hammer has been training at fullback. Um, what that means for Scott Drinkwater, I don't know. Whether you know uh, he sort of put on notice or whatever but the only problem with that that I see is that one it's his first year and two the North Queensland are going to be competing for the spoon so you know does that equate to points for the hammer who knows but he could be a sneaky pickup the other one that I've really liked is Corey Oates um, you know hearing him last week come out and say that uh, the reason he hasn't been able to crack first grade is that he's been treating his body like shit and you know really hasn't been training that hard and putting the hard yards in and it's all on him sort of says to me that he's gonna reverse all of that and does that put him into the bronco side now if Corey oates is a starting winger in the bronco side then he automatically becomes draftable would you agree yeah, I, I, I do, but as you also alluded to last week, Lukey, is that they've got seven blokes fighting it out for basically two positions, or at least five blokes fighting it out for two positions on the wing there, so you'll have to keep your eyes on trials for that one. Um, I'm pretty sure Kevy's not a huge fan, and it wouldn't surprise me if Oates ends up somewhere like the Dolphins or the Cowboys uh, the following year, and if that's announced early in the year he can guarantee dude ain't getting a start after that so he can do all he wants for his body but a lot of it i reckon is out of his control no rig based selections you reckon no rig based selections no i'm not not unless you contain katani stags <laughs> and then it's just length-based selections, <laughs> sword-based selections, half-mast. Yeah. Half mast. <laughs> we want to take measurements at half-mast and full-mast. <laughs> no, that's good. And you, you know, look in this pool too. You've got like the likes of Bailey Simonson as well, who's uh, gone to Parramatta this year, and I think we'll we'll uh, look. Mike Acevo's done his ACL. Uh, late last year, so he's going to have a few games there and, and, and a poten- uh, chance to show his potential uh, in, in that regard as well. Moses Suley could be anything, and then Aaron Shoup at the Bulldogs could be anything as well. But the I'm pool- pretty high on him too. Shoup? Yeah, yeah I mean... If yeah, me too. You get, he's probably left side with Burton. Uh, if TPJ sneaks onto that side with Addo Carr, I mean, that's their weapon side. There'll be a lot of uh, traffic down there. So, I mean... He was coming good towards the end of last year, put put some bigger scores up, um, and his base started to, to increase. So, yeah, keep an eye on Aaron Shoot. 
He's Aaron not Shoup, so yep. Aaron Shoup last year, his average base, so just the base, was 33. His base power was 39. So the variance between that is not that great, right? And 39 is sort of slightly above par for base power. But what that says to me is that 33 of just base is really good. And there's plenty of room for improvement for the base power to go up. How? Um, sh- but that's a, the 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 variable in all of this is how shit were the Bulldogs last year? Yeah. They were so shit, and this guy was still putting up okay numbers. You put him in a side where there's upside, and he's got a decent half inside, and he's got a good forward pack going forward. You know, he only has to add 15 points to his average, and all of a sudden he becomes a 50 plus averaging centre winger. Um, you know, definitely worth having a bit of a pun at. Look, probably doesn't get drafted in a lot of leagues, this guy, but first two or three rounds, you know, he could definitely get snagged, snagged on waivers early if he puts up some good scores. Had a merry-go-round of a half on that left side last year. Oh, yeah. Both so, spots. Yeah. Who, Flanagan? Oh, man. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently in with the great crack at number Lewis. seven. No. Flanagan, Lewis, Wakenham. Avarillo. Ar- yeah. Oh, jeez. Yuck. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, like, uh, what what else do they do? Who else do they put there, to be fair? I reckon you could take you could take a uh, uh, an asset out of each of those four. <laughs> and to make one make good half. It's, it's like Lock Voltron, man. To, yeah. It's like Voltron. Yeah. Put us together, we're, we're awesome, but singularly, yeah, we're all right. <laughs> no, we're not all right. <laughs> we're not first graders. No, that's true. That's true, too. So. No, all good. So, lads, yeah, CTW, I, I'm liking CTW this year, so that's a pretty comprehensive kind of look at, uh, you know, uh, who we feel like you should go... Um, hard at and and some value later on in your draft so we're going to chuck this up on socials over the next couple of days have a uh, keep your eye out for it um to give you a bit more of a visual representation of 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 what we kind of feel so look we'll bury down on some other positions in the weeks to come uh you know and maybe do some other bits and pieces on our podcast but that's just another piece to the jigsaw puzzle of the pre-season of 2022 so lads uh thanks for jumping on again uh, we'll finish it up there. As a Lukey, thanks for joining me. Uh, we'll catch you again next week. Thanks, lads. Catches.